Hi, welcome to another episode of The Postscript, a weekly podcast and YouTube series from LFBI, Living Faith Bible Institute, a international Bible school that's available uh, streaming online. If you've got questions about it, we'd love to, to answer them, lfbi.org. Uh, but we're in the middle of a conversation with Eric Phillips, uh, the director of worship at Midtown Baptist Temple. And we're having a conversation about ministry philosophy and about a worship philosophy and having a worship-driven ministry. In the last episode, we had a lot of conversation about uh, principles that should guide every praise and worship team in, in any church, and, and we talked about those things. This week, we're going to have a conversation a little bit more about uh, building a team, um, how the personalities of members on your team should impact the style of worship and, and what kind of relationship style of praise has uh, to any given praise team. And so, Eric Phillips, welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. So with that said, I already kind of gave you the lead on that. Mm -hmm. um, when we're talking about praise and, and worship, uh, so much of that has to do with um, with the, the abilities of the people that are on your team. And so a lot of that is dictated to you. Am I right? So like, you know, if someone's good at the guitar and they play in a particular style or they're good at the piano and they play at a particular style, what kind of roles and 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 uh, things are impacted by the skill of the people on your team? I think it, it, it can impact style depending on the complexity of the music that you're playing. But I do think that the leader has a strong impact on on style as well, because even I can remember early on, uh, even over at KCBT, when I was leading uh, the, the few occasions that I got to lead, of course, I love gospel. So it's like, even though it's just a simple four chord progression, we got to put a little stank on this, y'all. <laughs> and so we, you know, like, I got to figure out a way to do that, right? And right. so it's going to be uh, somehow, we're going to make it soulful just because uh, that's what, you know, that's kind of the feel I wanted. Right. Uh, so the skill sets can create boundaries. And I think sometimes those boundaries are actually very healthy um, because you, you, you learn um, what it takes to lead worship. As much as I love gospel music, I don't need that. Yeah. So how frustrating is it when you are a, a praise and worship leader and the, the, the people on your team can't execute the things that you want to do? I, I can't say that that's the case in today's world. Mm -hmm. um, early on, um, maybe over at KCBT, um, and, and there, there are always songs that, that challenge us, um, but I think the boundaries, I think when you look at what the definition of creativity is, right, you're able to, uh, with uh, limitations, right, that, that's where creativity thrives. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it, it's, I don't know that I've ever been like, oh my goodness, these people, I can't work. I think that it's right. probably been the opposite of like, we can't work with Eric. Uh, <laughs> uh, more like that. But uh, so I don't see that as being something that's ever been like super frustrating because it's like, okay, we got boundaries, but let's figure out what, what we can do with this. And, and it always comes out to be something that it's like, man, praise the Lord. This is for God's glory. So then in terms of style, obviously you come from a gospel background, yes. right? And so black soulful choir is, is the thing that speaks to you. Um, and so, but we go to a, a multicultural church and there are people that like all different kinds of styles of music. And so, you know, at what level do you do you try to meet the, the um, cultural appetite, um, or like even maybe it's maybe it's an issue of heart language, like in terms of worship, like um, people f feel and certain styles resonate with them more at a soul level, the way gospel does with you. What balance do you have to strike in? I see style as being an outpouring, or yes, an, an outpouring of discipleship, because my my advice to 
uh, worship leaders that we're developing is to lead in the way that God's created you, right? Mm -hmm. And so I don't think you have to oppose the style that you are uh, familiar with. Uh, I do think you have to recognize those limitations in terms of, again, singability of a song mm -hmm. and then accessibility of the song. How accessible is it? How, how, how can people engage? And so I think you have to be sensitive to that. I have to be sens sensitive to that even with gospel music. Most of the gospel music I listen to, we never do, right? Yeah. Um, is that because most of it's worldly? Or? <laughs> uh, I don't know if I would say it, most of it. <laughs> some of it could be described as worldly, but I don't, I, I don't think, I don't consider it to be accessible. Okay. You know, yeah. like I think for some people it would be, uh, I would maybe put up a wall or it, it would be hard for people to engage in and worship. And mm -hmm. I feel like I have a better sense of that um, having been at the church, you know, for so long. And so it's like, yeah, I don't see people uh, being able to engage in this. But mm -hmm. I do think discipleship, the benefit of discipleship is that, you know, as you're making disciples, God gifts uniquely gifts people. So I use Brian as an example because mm -hmm. Brian uh, Bustos, Brian is one Bustos. Of your yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, it's interesting because uh, over the years, you know, I think Brian and I have learned to trust each other, right? Uh, we have a different, we both have different ears for music. So the stuff mm -hmm. that he picks is stuff that I like it after he has, you know, sort of bustosified it, right? Mas massaged it in he his own way. Massaged it and he put his spin on it. Yeah. But it's a song that if I listened to it in its original version, I would have never picked it, right? right. Um, but he, he, he'll he listen to a song and he's passionate about it and he'll do it and, and, and I'll sort of fall in love with it. Um, and and I would hope vice versa, I've heard him do some of the songs that, that, that I've selected. But uh, I want Brian to lead in the way that God has created him yeah. uh, with a sensitivity to our people engaging in this because that creates the boundary of style. Mm -hmm. Any style can alienate people. Um, and so we got to make sure that people are engaged and we, we can't get so far ahead that people aren't worshiping. And so that's the boundary that's important. Um, so, uh, you know, kind of, an, I'm thinking about you know, how engaged a worship leader has to be. And you're talking about how they need to be very aware of how the congregation is responding. And it makes me think a lot about the devotional aspect of what you guys do when you when you lead worship. I know this is very common um, in terms of formula uh, for a lot of, of evangelical or Bible-believing churches. They'll do some worship songs and then someone who's leading will take a moment to give a devotion. And I wonder if there's like an art form to that in terms of, of presenting that devotional aspect uh, um, to the congregation in a way that again is follows the principles that you shared in the previous podcast. So for me, the devotionals are an outpouring. It's an overflow of what God's already doing. So I'm not like creating like every morning, every Sunday morning. Oh, I got to create a devotional. No, like I keep a journal. I'm in the Word, you know, in the mornings and at night, and I'm writing what God's showing me, and I'm responding mm -hmm. to it, and and I'll see things that 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 where God moves me. Um, and so with that little tidbit, you know, I'll, I'll want to take just a couple moments and share that with the congregation and then uh, connect it with what we're singing. So it usually happens uh, in the in, at that in that moment where I'm looking through my journal and I'm, you know, man, this is what God's doing. And I just want to share that a little bit with people because I do think that people it's still an element of praise and worship. Right. Because I'm I'm audibly talking about what God's doing mm -hmm. uh, and I'm sharing with them from Scripture and they can see how it connects. And hopefully it encourages people because uh, you get a lot of people that come in and they're in different places in their life, yeah. different seasons, and they need encouragement. Yeah. And so does is there it sounds like what you're saying is that when you present the devotion uh, you present the you know the personal thing that God's done in your life that he's shown you recently you've got to get it it's got to have a hook to draw people back into to, to praise in other words it has to direct their focus 
is there something that you need to like when someone's putting something like that together is that just something you just need experience with? Uh, yeah, so and maybe because I needed experience with it, so yeah. I had to do it and get some feedback. But I think as long as you can explain uh, what God showed you and why you should worship in response to it, mm-hmm. right? And I think that's the, the key. And sometimes I think where error can happen is we never get back to the place of victory, right? So we never, it's, you know, I've been struggling and I can share the struggle, um, but there, there needs to be a connection, I believe, to why we are victorious in Christ mm-hmm. and why we can engage in worship, even if it, if, even if we are going through a tough season, why Christ still deserves our worship and let's do that. I do think that it takes just, again, a lot of worship ministry is that whole practice that happens mm-hmm. in our rehearsals. And then on Sunday morning, you just got to give people a shot to go and do it. And then you you kind of find your way in, in doing it. Mm. What role does audiovisual play in terms of establishing a, a strong praise and worship team? I, I know that like in our church, the, the structure is that the praise and worship team kind of is in some regard submitted to the to the worship team and driven by what's happening with the worship team. But on, on a whole nother plane, they, they're working the gizmos and the technology back there, and, and they've got things that they're responsible for that, that the worship team should never even be aware of. What does it look like to have a healthy relationship between a worship team and an AV team? Whoever you have overseeing the 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 AV piece uh, needs to be in constant communication with uh, whoever's leading worship. Mm -hmm. And I see it in much the same way when we talked about in the last episode of, you know, my job as a worship leader is to be submitted to the vision of my pastor. Uh, It's very important that you have that dynamic even with the AV team, because the uh, the pastor and the worship director will have a vision Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of what that should look like. And and you want an AV team that that that's behind that vision and, and and wanting to carry it out and and minimize distractions uh and so there, there's a need to always be training mm-hmm. and and growing in excellence you know there's a lot of things that problems that come up in, in with av uh with equipment that you've got to have qualified people to be able to troubleshoot right mm-hmm. and so that just requires constant training uh and investment and then just a desire to a desire for excellence the one thing that i'll give you you know and this is something that you, some churches will struggle with is and it's it seems silly but it it, it underscores the point right with even the the powerpoint slides mm-hmm. and advancing the slides and, and you know it's like okay so uh whoever it is that's doing that like you're holding the hymnal for the whole church right yeah and so right like we a lot of people don't know the words unless you advance that slide right yeah. and if you don't advance it literally the whole church stops worshiping sure so, so that's the critical nature of it so okay so here's the the I've wanted to ask this for so long. Uh-oh. It's in, it's been in my mind. And it wasn't on the list that you sent me of questions you were going to ask. No, I'm, I'm completely, I'm, I'm improvising. <laughs> Improvise, this, improvising. Yeah. Great. Yay. Uh, okay. So I wanted to ask this when you're instructing the AV team, when should they advance the slide? Is it, is it, before the last syllable before, before the we last sing word? the last word because we already know we've already we're, we're reading those words in okay. advance so okay. before and this is my i'm passionate about this okay it it feels it may feel uncomfortable to advance it before people sing that last word mm-hmm. but we already know what the last we're already when we're singing the last word we're already looking for the next word right right and so before we sing the last word i don't care if the last word has four si- syllables right yeah. like before we sing that last word we already know what it is and we're looking for the next yeah, okay. uh, word so that Good. thank yes. you for i can't give you book chapter verse on that but <laughs> that's helpful what for we me need because i get, i feel I, like i can't ever sing that that next word if mm-hmm. it doesn't advance in time i get stuck yeah the, the team is singing it 
and now I'm behind. I'm, I'm out right. of the loop. And, yes. it, and again, it's a distraction. Mm-hmm. So that's good. That's good insight. Okay. So speaking of that, then, then here's another question. What are some of the things that you've run into, I mean, throughout the years that you've experienced uh, in terms of the enemy's distraction? Um, I mean, and this is probably an opportunity for you to, to maybe speak in terms of, of um, what, what you've run into, maybe some t- weird stories or some situations that you've had. Uh, don't give names because uh, we don't want to do that. But, okay. but where, where you feel like the enemy has been at work and anecdotally, maybe the audience can, can take something away from that. Has there been experiences that you've had that have just been like, wow, that's a great lesson in in worship and in praise. Yeah. So I think enemies of worship, the one thing that comes to mind is immaturity. Mm. Um, and, and that's why that discipleship filter is so important because when you have, um, a, an immature believer, uh, in any ministry, it, it can be, you know, um, distracting, but it, it, it can be particularly harmful, I think in, in the worship ministry. And, and, um, you know, so I guess the best example, this is something that I, um, I heard from someone a long time ago, but if you think about how a baby responds to something like when a baby's hungry, um, or needs something that baby has no regard for environment, right? Mm-hmm. That baby just starts crying and is a distraction um, everywhere until that baby gets what it wants, right? But as you grow in maturity, you learn that even though you may have a concern, you learn um, to acknowledge the environment that you're in um, and to wait and and to address it um, in a manner that demonstrates maturity on your part, right? You don't just get to make a scene. Um, And so, you know, that that would be something that um, have to keep a close eye on or, or just watch out for because um, that can be distracting, uh, even in terms of a practice, right? Um, and the practice is becoming- Which in some ways is probably just as important those practices. Oh, they're they're critical. Yeah. 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 So, but the mood of a practice, right? Where Mm. like, are we, are we, am I, I should, I feel like I should look forward to coming to practice. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But if I'm dreading practice because um, there's, there's irritation and agitation because of uh, issues that need to be addressed in terms of personalities, then we gotta, then we need to sit down and talk about what that is Mm -hmm. and get those things out there and, and get that cleaned up because that, that hinders worship. Sure. And I, and I would think that, like, especially when you're dealing with artists, artists tend to have strong opinions about creativity. It could, a, a practice could get derailed really fast if, if someone's opinion was too strong and, and, and they were verbalizing that and undermining things that were going on. Absolutely. And, you know, the thing about worship ministry that I think is important that we all need to remember um, with regard to music in general. OK, so you just take you step back from worship ministry and every other facet of your life. When you listen to music, it's the music you want to listen to. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Uh, and then when you don't want to hear it anymore, you turn it off. Mm. Uh, and, and worship ministry is this interesting point to where our natural inclinations are not something that we can do anymore. Right. We don't just get to turn it off on a Sunday morning. You come in and maybe the, the, the songs that are being sung are not songs that you would normally, uh, want to sing. And then you have to make a choice to die to self, uh, and engage in worship. And that same principle is true, even in practice, that it's not what you want in your flesh. Right. Right. Uh, but in this one time we have to find unity. 
yeah. and we have to be able to move forward. And I think a, a healthy worship ministry, if we're responding right, we're being challenged in that area. I'm challenged in that area because not every song that, that is picked is a song I would have picked or necessarily like, but mm-hmm. man, so am I worshiping a style or am I worshiping the Lord? And if so, mm-hmm. I need to engage in worship regardless of whether or not it's the style I want. And I will say that, you know, the first half of my worship ministry experience was singing a lot of songs that I wouldn't have normally picked. Right. Um, and even now, um, you know, I, I do get obviously a lot of leniency in terms of the songs that I pick, but um, I'm not dictating to other leaders what songs they should pick unless there's a biblical issue there. Right. And if there's a clear melody, you know, there's leniency. So we I, we don't always sing the songs that I want to sing. I know some people think, oh, you're the sure. leader, you get to sing all the songs. No, that's not true. Yeah. yeah, that's a really good point. And it makes me also think about churches that have traditional services versus like contemporary services. And and I know that that philosophically we're we're kind of opposed to that perspective. Can you explain why we wouldn't ever? So I, so I feel the reason why we, the reason why I am sort of diametrically opposed um, to that is so the time for us to worship is the one time where we all come together. And I don't want the style of worship that I'm playing to reinforce division within the church. Mm-hmm. Old people and young people ought to be able to come together and for one hour uh, be able to unite in worship. So if we've got two services or three services, uh, my philo- my personal philosophy, and I know other people differ on this, is I want there to be the same sound. Um, and and then you make a decision about what time you want to be here. But you know, worshiping with one voice, can we set aside our particular difference? on music and just come together as one. And if I'm playing a progressive sound and a traditional sound, then what that tells me that that, that translates to is all the older people go to one service mm-hmm. and all the younger people go to another service and we're not together worshiping. Right. And that's where I have an issue with it. Yeah, there needs to be unity. Absolutely. And the more and the more multicultural or diverse a church is, the more uh, work it requires to 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 blend those those cultures together and, and make them work in harmony with one another. So that's good. In closing, I want I want to ask if you'd do us a favor. Oh, okay. Uh, would you put together a playlist for us? Yes. Uh, so we could publish with uh, this this podcast um, that that is a nice blend of multicultural sounds that you might hear in a service here at Midtown Baptist Temple. Songs that really resonate with you, so we can get a little bit of your personality, uh, the the gospel stuff, but then also maybe some of the other songs that we like. We like to sing. Would Absolutely. You do that for us? Absolutely. Awesome. I got the playlist, so I'll just get it over to you. Awesome. Yes. Thanks, dude. Uh, thank you, Eric, for hanging. It's always fun hanging out with you because we're, we're good friends. Thank you, brother. I'm glad to share you with everybody else uh, in, this, in this episode talking about worship. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you as well for joining us for another episode of The Postscript. Again, you, you want to check out the playlist that we're going we're gonna to publish with this podcast Uh, So you can listen to some of the stuff that Eric's been listening to or some of the things that we like to sing here at Midtown. Um, If you've got questions about uh, uh, praise and worship ministry, I'm sure Eric would love to hear from you. Uh, If you're a worship leader and you've got questions, things that you've been struggling with, uh, feel free to reach out to us um, and we can put you in contact with Eric. And I'm sure he'd he'd enjoy speaking with you and talking to you about that. Uh, if you've enjoyed the podcast and you don't yet subscribe, please follow us on any of the major podcast platforms, uh, whether it be Apple or Android. Um, if you are a YouTube person and you like watching video, uh, you can subscribe at YouTube as well. Thank you again for joining us. Uh, we appreciate your time and we hope to see you next week.
My name is Brian Bustos, and I am a Living Faith Bible Institute student. And I'm also a husband. And I'm also a father. In this stage in my life, things are definitely chaotic. I've been called by God to serve in my local church here in Kansas City. And in any given week, that may look like leading worship, or preparing for a Bible study, or even teaching a class. And this is where Living Faith Bible Institute is so important to my life. First, it gives me focus, but two, it's flexible. And so if I can't make that Saturday morning class, I can still catch it online, whether it's remotely or even sometime later in the week, like during my lunch break. In essence, I don't have to put my life on pause. Enroll for classes at lfbi.org. If you are interested in donating to LFBI to support future pastors and leaders, please visit lfbi.org slash donate.